Sacramento area. We live in Rockland, but this whole area within, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, I can be out dirt bike riding or mountain bike riding or floating the river and, and on a boat somewhere. And so there's just a lot of outdoor stuff to do, which I really enjoy. Yeah, I've lived in Northern California most of my life, and I always say we're in one of the best places on earth because, you know, <laughs> you can go to Tahoe, you can go to the wine country, you can go to San Francisco, you can hit the beach, you know, everything's so so close. Yep, yep, yep. And I had to say, so when we were looking to move, you know, one of the other things to address with the pest world is that California is one of the few states that requires a WDO inspection, a wood-destroying organism inspection. I know a lot of times we call it a pest inspection or a termite inspection, but by definition, it's really a WDO report, WDO inspection. And in California, it's one of the only states that requires that in a real estate transaction, depending if it's written in or not. You know, most other states, you just have a home inspection, and that home inspector kind of covers some of the dry rot issues and everything. So uh, California is unique to that. And it's, it, the reason they do that here and in Texas is because we do have subterranean termites and dry wood termite problem uh, way worse than we do in the rest of the nation. And so that's why lend, lenders' uh, requirement, they usually the lenders want to have a pest clearance, um, sometimes a Section 1, also known as a Section 1 clearance, um, when they're funding on a house to make sure that the house isn't being eaten from, from the inside out, you know. So help, help our listeners understand a little bit. I mean, mostly people listen are in the real estate industry, so some of them know this. But I think, you know, for, for example, I'm dating myself now, but when I first got into real estate, hardly ever was a pest inspection done or, for that matter, home inspections. Like, home inspections have just really, in probably the last 10 to 12 years, become commonplace. When I first started in real estate, it was not common for a home inspection to be done. It was kind of an unusual thing, or then they'd bring their buddy Billy Bob out, you know, <laughs> so, uh, look it over and say, yeah, that corner looks good, you know, and that'd be the extent of it. But now we have such detailed home inspections, first of all, and then the WDOs, I'll use your language, um, have become almost on every transaction, it seems. More and more prevalent, yeah. That, that you think you see real estate agents make when, A, trying to maybe decide on who to use, number one, but number two would be how to explain the importance of this to their clients. Well, really, I mean, the home inspections are, are new. I think as consumers get more and more educated, um, you know, and more and more awareness comes about about, you know, manufacturer defects and home defects. I think it's always, I encourage all real estate agents and professionals to, to have a home inspection and a termite inspection. I mean, we kind of are the two professionals that can go out there and assess and look at anything and things that catch our eyes sometimes don't catch those consumers' eyes. I mean, I know like you mentioned Billy Bob, because of Billy Bob, he might walk through and be able to flip a switch and tell you that the air conditioner is not working, but why it's not working and what's going on and if there's possible electrical issues behind it, that's where the professional comes in. Um, now, keep in mind, I only do the termite inspections and general pest control. I don't do the home inspections, but I work with a lot of different home inspectors, and there's some great ones in the area. Um, on the termite side, of the biggest one of the biggest things I think is everyone calls it a pest inspection. I understand that. The agents understand that. But to the home buyers, I get so many calls every week Hey, I moved into this house, I had a pest inspection, it was clear, and now I have an ant problem. Or, hey, I moved in this house, and now I have some paper. What's that? 
I said that's so calming. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and so, so one of the biggest things I try to educate agents on is let's we can call it a pest inspection if you want, but really why I keep going back to a termite inspection or a WDO report is because when the consumer just hears pest inspection, they assume that I'm there looking for wasps, I'm there looking for rodents, I'm there looking for ants, and, I, and, and in fact, I'm not. I mean, as a pest control operator, I will look at those things, and if there's a, somebody there, I'll let them know, hey, by the way, I noticed that. But as far as the purpose of a WDO report, it's not allowed to be in there. It, it can't be in there because those are just general pest control issues, and none of those rodents, ants, wasps, none of those are wood-destroying organisms. So, therefore, they can't be in a report, and I think it causes a lot of confusion with those buyers. So, I just encourage agents to, hey, listen, we're going to get a termite inspection and a home inspection, and that way it kind of clarifies, if you're not using that word pest, then I think that consumer understands and doesn't expect that we are looking at the pest. So, so help me then understand, what are the wood-destroying pests? What are they? What are the most so, so when we're there, we're, when we're there, we're looking for fungus and dry rot. Uh, section one stuff is any active infestation or infection of the wood, and those are defined. Uh, those are some simple things such as like wood decay, fungi, dry rot. Um, sometimes we see some surface fungus that can be scraped and treated. Um, but really, the insects are you're looking at uh, subterranean termites, dry wood termites, and beetles. Those are the three main, I mean, you do have carpenter ants and carpenter bees. Very rarely do we, do we see them. Um, if we do, we can remediate them pretty easily. But the main three that are, are a nuisance and that cause a big problem are the subterranean termites, which are the ones that live down in the soil um, that we just do a liquid termitocyte treatment for. Uh, subterranean termites are most prevalent here in the Sacramento area because we're so inland. When you get more coastal, like San Jose or Ventura, where I grew up, as you move closer to the coast, you see a lot more drywood termites. Drywood termites are kind of a pain because you can't just treat the soil. You've actually got to fumigate the whole house. So, one, it's a little bit more expensive, and people have to move out for three to five days, depending on the infestation. Um, and so it's a little bit more of a headache. But the good news is living here in Sacramento, it's 90% of the time if we find termites, it's subterranean termites, not the drywood termites. Um, and then with your beetles, unfortunately, most of the time, beetles are found in, like, a damp sub-area in the subfloor, and they're going into um, adjacent, like, uh, wood members. And so we have to, uh, unfortunately, fumigate. Most of the time, we have to fumigate for beetles. Uh, once in a while, if it's a small infestation, we can remove all the uh, damaged wood and just treat the adjacent wood. We can get away with just doing a local treat for the beetles. But those are the three major ones, the, the two types of termites and the beetles that we see here in Sacramento. So here's another question, and I've had this happen on real estate transactions before, where it's been treated. How long does that treatment last? Because it seems like I've had some where they were treated, and then, you know, a year or two down the road, all of a sudden we have issues with them again. Yeah, you know, so with subterranean termites, ones that we go to a liquid termite treatment, um, the chemical that we use, the active ingredient is called fipronil, and you can find that in such things as like Termidor, which is a big name out there, and Taurus. Um, but fipronil, you know, it's supposed to last about 10 years, you know, before it really breaks down. The problem is, is that if you're in a neighborhood that's highly infestation with termites, um, say the fences, all the adjoining fences to your house are loaded with termites, we can treat the house and get rid of the termites there, 
but the, we get a lot of rain up here in Sacramento, and with the rain, it kind of, you know, it breaks down that chemical, and so sometimes, yeah, you do see after three or four years, that stuff starts breaking down, and if their infestation is bad enough in the surrounding fences or the surrounding neighborhood, they will get right back in the house, and so that's why I always tell everyone, every two to three years, whether you're selling the house or not, every two to three years, you should, you know, it's $95 to get your house inspected. Every two or three years, have it inspected. We can catch those little things. So, for instance, we can see the termites tubing up where we can go and do a little local treatment versus waiting six, seven, eight years, you know, when the typical buyer uh, or seller sells their house. A lot of times people wait till they sell their house, and six years later, seven years later, now you've got thousands of dollars worth of termite treatment and or dry rot because it's, you know, that, that stuff has been sitting for so long. So one other thing that I see happen a lot in houses is the dry rot, right? So uh, uh, common, common are like eaves, and I always try to explain it like to a client. I say, okay, if you go to somebody's house and you open up the kitchen sink and there's a leak under there and it's been there a long time and the wood's all nasty and mushy, that's a section one. That's a problem right now, right? If there's yep, a leak, yep. if you take care of it, that's a section two. So that's a future or potential for a a problem, correct? Am I correct in that? That that is correct. Yeah, I always I always mention it. Section one is anything that's active that's bad right now. So if you have termites or beetles or you have dry rot, those are all section one. And then you're right in saying section two are kind of fire beware items. Saying hey that that loose toilet may cause some damage if you don't take care of it, or that you know leaky sink might eventually run out the uh, false bottom underneath it. And so those are all Section 2 items, kind of buyer beware items. Now, I know that more and more houses these days are built on slab foundations as opposed to raised. Is that a a better thing? Is, is that better for, like, is less likelihood of damage to a house, or does it matter? Yeah, you know, when it comes to the pest world, um, a slab house with stucco exterior and a tile roof are, you know, are probably the, the, the friendliest houses when it comes to not having problems with a dry rot or, or, you know, beetles or termites or anything like that. So those are those are safest. But then the, the cons to having the slab foundation with the stucco exterior is that, you know, if you got to remove, if you're trying to do any kind of remodeling or moving wires or running speaker wire, I mean, the nice thing about a raised foundation is if you've got to move some plumbing or run some speaker wire or some cable, you just get up underneath the house and pull it to wherever you want it and put it in there where, you know, these slab houses, you're pretty limited. I mean, you're talking about, you know, jackhammering up the concrete to do anything like that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot harder to do different homeowner, you know, miscellaneous things. So there's plus and minuses to, to, to both. But I think um, now that concrete's way more accept, readily accessible for builders, uh, you're seeing a lot more slab houses, unless unless you're on the side of a hill or some kind of area where it doesn't allow for a, a you know a smooth a flat surface. So um, I I, I want to go back a little bit to your business and how you've built it and and the importance. The one thing that I've noticed about you the most is you're very relationship driven and oriented, which. I'll paraphrase that and saying that I always see you around, and I see you at a variety of events and functions. Where did you learn about that and the importance of that? Because I think that's so important in the industry, and I think as an industry sometimes we uh, we discount that. You know, I, I get emails every day and flyers in the mail and stuff like that, but when you see somebody's face around and get to know them, 
it's such a better way of doing business. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree, and I think the same applies with the successful real estate agents I see out there. They're at the events, they're participating, they're building those relationships, and, and I don't know that I necessarily was taught that, that just, that's my personality, and that's the way I've always kind of been. I mean, I, I really, truly, truly enjoy doing what I do and the, the relationships I have, and I really love giving back to, you know, our community. And so, um, you know, as a Placer County Associates of Realtors, I'm the affiliate director, and we put on a bunch of different events every year that give back to, like, the Salvation Army and different kind of non-charitable events. And so I just really, that's kind of my passion. I really enjoy it, and I'm able to utilize the termite and pest control business to give back to the community. And so, um, you know, people ask me that a lot, and, you know, hey, how are how are you different than everybody else? And I said, well, I just, I build first relations. When, when I have somebody call to order an inspection, I want to know who they are and I want to know who their wife is and how many kids they have. You know, I, that's just in my nature. And I'm just curious and I like building those relations because I really feel like just like agents have with their clients, when you really know them on a personal level, everything's much smoother and everybody's working together as opposed to just calling somebody from the phone book and hoping that you're getting a good quality, you know, inspection done or, you know, I mean, I don't know very many homeowners that just go through a phone book and call an agent. I mean, normally their agent is somebody that has been in front of them, has, uh, you know, been soliciting or stopped by their house and kind of a referral, and uh, those are always the best clients to work with. You know, I, I, I laugh because I was excited to be either your first or second uh order when you opened your company. I know there's some controversy over that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you were the first call, the first one on the bus, but I think I, I had to sneak out. I had to sneak out and actually physically pulled my truck up to another property before that, but you might have been the first report we actually got out of our system, so so thank you very much. I really appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. So what's next for you? Like, what are, What things are you excited about doing? You know, I mean, right now with, with us being a fairly uh, new business, uh, I want to keep it small. I want to, uh, you know, I really, like I said, I enjoy being out in the field and doing the inspections myself. Um, I'm building a small team. I've got another inspector with me who's been with me ever since uh, I first moved up to the area for about seven years actually now. And uh, he's on board and he's helping me out because, you know, you, you want to be able to service the clients and, and that's really where my business is based around is the customer service and the personal relationships. And so I want to be able to, and I know this industry, you know, it's seven-day contingency windows and sometimes closings are right away. And so I want to be able to accommodate everybody. But I also don't want to grow it too big to where I lose that personal relationship um, with my agent. So my goal is to keep it small, keep it personal, but also be able to at least accommodate and uh and be able to uh, jump when, when somebody asks me to jump. Um, so just trying to find that balance. And then really, I'm looking to grow my general pest control side of my business as well. So we've got a, one route now that's kind of growing, but, um, you know, as I do the termite inspections, or they call them pest inspections, WO inspections, that's one side of my business. But the other side I'm really trying to grow and focus on is just my general monthly, bi-monthly uh, pest control service. And uh, in one shop. So I see a lot of times agents, you know, a house has been sitting for a month or, you know, a couple months in between the move out of the old people and the move in of the new people. And so a lot of times cobwebs come and ants come and, you know, as people move out, different things kind of pop up. And so we do, for the real estate agents, I do a $99 one shop where I just kind of come through, I web it all down, I spray it all down, 
and that way you don't have a potential buyer moving in and waking up the second day in their new house and have to dance in the kitchen, you know, which is which is nice. And then also we can um, set you up on a service. It's $35 a month, and we come out bi-monthly and service uh, the account and in between as needed. And so it's just something nice to be able to offer these people when they're moving into their house. That way that's just one thing they don't have to worry about, uh, like I said, waking up with some rodent droppings or ants or anything like that. So, so these are kind of, this is kind of an off-the-wall question, but it's one of my fun questions I like to ask. What would you say to your younger you? So let's say, or your old, if you were 13 again, what would you say, you know, to that younger you, I guess? Let me rephrase it. Many of us, um, like I have teenage sons who are 17 and 19, and of course yeah. I want to do everything right now. And I'm always saying, hang out, take your time. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm married and have kids, and like you have, you know, you've got a beautiful wife, of course, who's just a doll and two really amazing Thank you. So what would you say to that younger you, that 13 or 14-year-old boy? What would I say to him? Yeah, what would you say to him about what his life may look like? Like, be patient, hang out, have fun, don't get married too young? <laughs> you know, um... Honestly, I, I you know I, I don't know that I would do it any different. I got married at uh, I met my wife at 22 and we were married at 23 and so um we started a little young. We were we you know the nice thing is we we were married for about six years before we had our first kid and just really enjoyed each other. So I think if anything, I mean I would do pretty much what I did all over again the the, the same way. I don't think I would take anything back. I mean I live life to the fullest. I work hard and I play hard and uh, and and really just. Just enjoy the time that you, that you have. So, I mean, if you, like with my wife and I, we always go back and say, I wish we would have traveled more. You know, it's one of those things you get married and you're motivated to start, you know, up by a house and start a career. And so we focused a lot on that and so that we were prepared for when we had kids. But in a way, I kind of, you know, maybe, maybe two, two years would have been nice to take us back and just travel a little bit more. But, you know, we're we're at an age now, close to our 40s, that, uh, you know, once once kids get grown, then we can start traveling maybe in our later years, you know. But um, but I really just, I, I've been, I've enjoyed every minute, and I, I don't know that I would change much, much about anything that I've done. I mean, I went to, went to college, really enjoyed that. I think that's very, very important. I think a lot of times people go, well, you don't need a degree anymore to do this or to do that. And you're right. I mean, my industry, I don't need a degree at all. I mean, you know, you have guys that maybe got through high school barely, but, um, but the reality is it's not so much about having that degree in the industry. It's about having the, uh, you know, the social experience in life and, you know, the commitment that, you know, you're going to go to school. And, you know, it's just, it was nice. I really enjoyed my college years a lot. And uh, and I would recommend that to anybody, you know, grow, growing up right now, whether you're debating that or not. So what would you say is your key to success? You know, um... Honestly, just staying true to myself. I mean, I like I like I was saying before. I mean, I've always just been um, upfront. I've always been, you know, I, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy going, you know, participating as a kind of social realtors. I enjoy giving back to the community. Um, I enjoy my family. I enjoy dirt bike riding. So, it's, you know, I I have different passions, and I try to, you know, go 110 percent in all of them. And sometimes it's hard. You juggle a lot of things, and sometimes. My body, now that I'm approaching 40, sometimes uh, tells me, hey, you're not 21, because in my mind, I still think I'm 21 and 22. And 
so the body says, hey, you can't keep doing, you can't go to Caribou Lake and back that one weekend, you have the next weekend, and then, you know, reward them, you know, all day long and keep going, go, 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 and so on. So, you know, that's, that's life, though, you know, and so on. So I just, I really, it, it is catching up a little bit. But I, you know, I really do. I, I think in, in our industry, whether you're a title or, you know, lending or uh, a real estate agent, the ones that are very successful are the ones that just really enjoy people. You know, I mean, really, all, all of us are in a relationship uh, industry, and if you don't like people and you don't like building relationships, you might be in the wrong, you know, you might be in the wrong career path, you know. Absolutely. You know, I had that conversation earlier today with another agent, and I find, I agree with you, and I find the agents who really love what they do are the ones who are the most successful because you'll put the most energy and time and thought into it, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you hear all the time, I have to do another open house, and, and then it's like, well, how was your open house? Oh, it sucked. <laughs> and it's like, but the ones who are like, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm going to meet a bunch of new people this weekend and build my business, and I'm having an open house, those are the ones who are like, how'd it go? It was awesome. And, you know, I had 20 new people in there, I met five new clients, and, and that's the way I look at, that's the way I look at things. I always look at the positive side of everything we do. Otherwise, I just don't do it. If, if I'm not going to enjoy doing something, um, I don't do it. The one thing I don't enjoy, I will admit, I don't enjoy crawling underneath these houses. I mean, yeah, I've been in some pretty, uh, pretty nasty houses and underneath some pretty, uh, dirty crawl spaces. And, uh, you know, it's part of the business. I've been doing it for so long that, you know, it's, it doesn't really face me anymore. But there are some times where you go, I mean, you can see nothing but cobwebs and you're with your, maybe screwdriver, your flashlight, just trying to move cobwebs out and spiders crawling all over you and, some people are going, I have no idea how you ever do it, but I think it's one of those things where I've been doing it since I was pretty much 16 years old. Um, as a young guy working for my stepdad, I was a rookie that they would just throw underneath those houses. And so, uh, you know, you're kind of forced to do it at an early age, and you get accustomed to it. And, you know, um, that's that's part of the, part of the business. It's just it's like a firefighter. I mean, how do you run into a burning building? But that's your commitment. That's what you, you know, you signed up for, and, you know, you take the good with the bad, and that's just what, you know, what you do. So, what do you have any like of your best uh, creepy stories or weird stories? Do you see snakes under there? You know, I was actually so when I was um, living down in Calabasas, um, there's a lot of rattlesnakes, and um, I went into one crawl, and uh, it was Calabasas has some big, big houses, and uh, they're all kind of built on the hills, so most of them are raised, even the newer ones are raised, and I was actually back. Probably, you know, a good couple hundred feet from the access, and I got back into a corner, and as I turned, come back, there was three little baby rattlesnakes all curled up. And you know with baby rattlesnakes, one, they're more poisonous than the mother because they release all their venom, and then two, if I saw the baby, the mother's got to be around there somewhere. And I literally, I, I mean, I was probably, it, it took me about ten minutes to crawl back that far in there, and I really, once I saw those rattlesnakes, I in about 18 inches of sub air, which isn't very much, I literally ran. I mean, I, I, I got out of there probably in about 30 seconds. And I, I really looked at that, and I'm like, I don't even know how I got out that fast. I mean, I, I must have just crawled, like, speed, speed crawled or something. But, um, you know, where one of those things where I, your hair spin right up on your arms, and you're just going, wow. Like, they were, I mean, right in my face, just ready to, you know, it's all curled up, ready to snap, and I just, I scooted out of there pretty quick. So, uh, that was one of my scariest things. The other thing is sometimes you'll, you'll turn a corner underneath the sub area and there's just eyes staring at you. And you hope it's a cat 
Sometimes it's a possum. Sometimes it's a skunk. I mean, so those are the scary ones. Right? You see, you're like, oh, no. You start scooting back. And a lot of times, you know, it is just a cat that's got underneath there, um, and you're fine. But, I mean, I, I've been in some pretty scary situations where you're going, oh, fish. That, ladies and gentlemen, is why I do not do that work. I hire that out. <laughs> I would just, they would have to admit me somewhere. I just, I can't handle snakes. That's my bigger issue, you know. Uh, yeah. We had a snake on our front porch one time, a rattlesnake, and I had just walked out the front door, and my son was yelling at me. I'm like, what is the matter with you? You're yelling up, get back, get back. All of a sudden, I look to the right, and there's a snake down there. Joe comes out all manly, you know, with his shovel and just, like, chops the head off. <laughs> it was about a four-foot rattler. It was a pretty big one. Oh. He hung oh. up by the front door. I go, why are you hanging it by the front door? He goes, I hung it by the front door to scare off all the other rattlers. Rattlers roll up some houses and say, dude, I'm not going to that house. <laughs> did, it, did it work? Well, he says we haven't seen one since. He goes, it must have worked. Hey. I might I might start doing that. I'll get like a dead rat underneath and just hang it by the axis hole and come Oh my gosh. Yeah, well, yeah, Jack, yeah. I want to oh, thank you for uh, taking the time with us today. I know you're a busy man and you squeezed us in, and I really appreciate it. And I'm really excited for you and your business. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a huge success. Absolutely. Well, hey, thank you very, very much. I really, really appreciate it. And we'll be posting his contact information, so if you're looking for a great test guy, or wait, termite inspection guy, <laughs> um, family services is the one to go to. So thank you so much for all your support over the years. We appreciate it. Yeah, hey, thanks a lot, Marguerite. We'll talk soon. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.